Hey guys, welcome to the Emetophobia podcast. Today on the podcast, I had Lily. She's a fellow Michigander, a potter, a vocalist, a musician, and a public speaker. She has emetophobia, and she's struggled with it for quite some time. We go over a lot of different topics in this episode, um, some of them being her musician talent, some of them being her pottery talents. Um, we talk a little bit about her emetophobia. We talk about her significant other and how they also might have emetophobia. Um, she also has a cat, and um, she's a really cool girl to talk to. So I really hope you enjoy the episode, and let's get into it. Hey. Hello. Hey, I can hear you. Good. It's always like, uh, it gets like this really quick moment of like mute every time somebody comes in. So I always got to get yeah. through that part. But I don't like understand. Yeah. Is my audio okay? Yeah. Audio sounds great. Okay. Perfect. I don't have my AirPods. I could have gotten them, but. <laughs> no worries. No worries. No worries. Oh, hello. Hello. Ah. A little nervous? No, not at all. Good, good deal. You never know nowadays. People with emetophobia usually are either nervous or they're super straightforward. So you never know what's going to happen. So I'm glad you're not nervous. It's good. I've done a lot of talks. I've done a lot of talking about emetophobia. So it's like, it's no big to me anymore. So Good deal. Yeah. Um, well, let's get right into it. What's your name? Uh, maybe a small little background behind you. And then let's just get right into your emetophobia story and hear, hear what you got to say. Yeah. Um, well, I'm Lily. Um, currently I'm, well, I'm, I've lived in Michigan most of my life and I love it here. Um, I, the, the most important thing about me was that I was homeschooled and I think that really helped me through being cared for with my emetophobia. I wasn't forced to be around anyone that was sick or anything. Um, Let's see, um, I'm an artist, I'm a local artist. Um, I was a public speaker, still am, just less so. <laughs> um, I'm an aspiring tattoo artist, and most of all, I'm a singer. So that's my main thing. I, Hell yeah. I own over 13 instruments. <laughs> wow. Besides my voice, because I'm compulsive. <laughs> what's, what's your favorite instrument to play? Um, I have a baritone ukulele, and that... Ooh. Just kiss. If anyone, if like you like ukulele at all, I'd say go for baritone because it's the last four strings of a guitar. And okay. if you get a really nice one, it sounds, in my opinion, better than a ukulele and a guitar. So, wow. Yeah, I'm trying to get into, I want to get a banjo soon. I've been trying to get into banjos. They're so cool to me. And I just like, not enough people play a banjo. You know what I mean? No, not enough people play it. I've seen a decent amount of people say that recently. <laughs> Pretty cool. Yeah, I like banjos a lot. Yeah, banjos so. are really cool yeah it's any like small string instrument like i recommend a baritone ukulele and yeah. and a banjo i don't have one yet but i probably should have one eventually yeah you got to get a banjo for sure no i'm into the percussion side of things i always played drums as a kid so I was, i'm adhd to the max i always got to just beat on a pair of drums and it's so absolutely fun. yeah no. absolutely that's why i couldn't get through piano classes because of my adhd yeah <laughs> i was <laughs> like i need to do more things than what i'm doing right now i know <laughs> Too calm, but, but yeah, let's, uh, your metaphobia story. Let's hear how, how it happened for you. 
Yeah, well, there's a few instances that I can remember as a kid. Um, but the big one where I'm like, yeah, that probably happened there was my poor mom. It was on my mom's birthday and we we're going out to like this awesome restaurant and like I'd eaten brownies and something else and like all yummy foods that I'd like to eat now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like in the middle of dinner, I just kept getting sick, like, and like awful, like, I, I, like they had to give me a bowl and I was like, feel so bad for the waiters. I like, I die now if I was like a waiter in that situation, just like, yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, gotta get plastic bags to get to the car. Like it was not fun. And it was like a two hour road trip. So oh. just, oof, and it was not fun. And it was like, I don't have that much memory of it, but I also used to eat some expired candy. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so like that happened semi-frequently. <laughs> so yeah, those were like the two things that um, definitely triggered that for me. And it happened when I was like four. So I had a metaphobia pretty early on in life. And yeah. It was just, I'm, I'm glad that I had it early because it exposed me to things that I can handle more now. Like kids cartoons are just filled with people getting sick. It's yeah. so much. And like, now I'm not like that, like afraid of cartoons anymore. Like doing that. It's just like, eh, as long yeah. as it's not bad. So yeah. And I watch a lot of cartoons. So that's very good for me. Um, yeah. so yeah, that's like, that's basically the basis of my metaphobia story. It's not the worst, but it's not, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone who's like, yeah. yeah. How does, uh, how does your metaphobia affect you nowadays? Um, it used to be worse. Um, uh, like, I don't know, seven years ago now. Oh God, I feel old. Uh, <laughs> seven years ago now I passed a uh, person in a store and up until this point I had never been around someone who had gotten sick and I was very relieved by that um, but we we're in Costco and literally we we're just passing by and there was a kid getting sick in a cup and I was like ah! um, and I could just hear it and it was like literally the first time I've ever heard it and seen it um, and in person and I freaked the f out <laughs> um I freaked out so hard but it wasn't as bad as like it wasn't as bad as uh, a freak out I could have had um that was while I was in therapy um and so I just like I was like okay okay we finished getting our groceries I cried in the car I like curled up in a ball and cried for like 10 minutes when he got home and then I was pretty okay for the rest of the time and um, I do not rem remember what caused me to get, like go to therapy, but I remember the end result was I was just scratching on my skin like hard until it bled and like just like rocking myself back and forth. And my parents were like, you need therapy. And I'm like, yeah, probably. <laughs> and um, that was when I got therapy and got help. Now I did not have, cause there's so little, therapists with a metaphobia training yeah it all of them didn't don't handle it the best um we talk about other things um because i also have ocd and adhd and 
I have many eating disorders, which oh, is so great with metaphobia, yeah. uh, which I actually think it is for my case. Cause if I did not have a metaphobia, I not keep down any of my food. So that would be a thing for me. And that's worse in my opinion. So in a way I'm thankful for a metaphobia, which is interesting and yeah. interesting thing to figure out and like about myself I'm like huh I guess I'm kind of grateful for it in a way um but yeah it's started therapy and I got slightly better um over the time and now I feel like I'm pretty decent I we have two cats me and my partner have two cats so like that in itself was a big feat I, when I got my cat um who is a uh therapy animal um there you go I'm more of her therapy human than she is my therapy animal. Right. It's not very good at it. I'm going to be honest. Uh, so, um, yeah. And uh, up to then, I've been pretty good. Um, obviously, I, I avoid stuff. I like It's like the metaphobia sense. Like, if I'm watching a TV show, I'll know it'll happen. And, like, movie, I'm like, mm, yeah. And that's been throughout my entire life. I'd be like, we're watching Glee as a family. I'd be like, I'm going to leave. And they're like, yeah. oh, okay. but there's no sign of anything. I'm like, I'm just going to go. And then, like, five minutes later, it'd be like, oh, you were right. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's the only recent challenge I had um, was – uh, both of our cats were getting sick and getting sick yeah. a lot. They could not hold down food. And my partner, who is amazing and wonderful and has a metaphobia to a point, which is very interesting. I did not, I figured that out about two months into dating. Um, it's like, oh, cool. So we're, we mutually agree that we don't watch stuff with it really. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and you cannot keep up with how many times the cats were getting sick. And like, it was just, all over the house at one point and it was just like ah, i'm just gonna stay in the bedroom and cry <laughs> oh my god that's terrible oh it was awful um and it turned out it was bad cat food the cat food had gone bad for i don't know we recently bought it and everything but yeah, yeah. it was like we thankfully went to a um not went to but got an online subscription to a um, vet which is very good shockingly <laughs> like that immediately helped it and it was like half the price no one fourth the price of what a vet visit would have done so yeah i bet that's really cool i never I didn't know they had online vets like that that's sweet there's a lot actually yeah, yeah the one i chose was 40 bucks a month so wow that's not bad at all yeah that's better than pet insurance usually. Yeah, I was going to say they have pet insurance too. I heard about That's kind of interesting yeah. as well. Yeah. So like, I highly recommend it if like a pet has like not the most stable health. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. We have a, a really uh, obese cat. He's a big guy, but um, he just has problems. He eats way too much. And if you let him eat, he will just gorge himself until he gets sick. So it's like one of those things where we have to really limit his food. He's got one of those like little, um, the dishes that has like the things on the inside. So he has to really eat his food slowly and stuff. And, but it's my girlfriend's cat. I, I moved in with her and then I ended up loving him. Like he's my little child now. And we always, every morning we wake up and he's like cuddling with me and stuff. So that's great. Yeah, I, I love, love the cat. cats. Cats are yeah, amazing. Great. Cats are very underrated. No, uh, my boyfriend had two cats and one of them was older and we moved into an apartment. I'm technically part-time. Uh, I bounce between two cities. Um, sure. 
and take the train, which is a thing I'd like to talk about, which is not as scary as you would think for emetophobia. I think it's way better than planes. Never um, been on a train myself, no. I, I like trains. Like, it's an hour train ride for me um, to get from my town to town, which is funny because they're both college towns. <laughs> um, and it's literally $11 for a one-way, so $22 to go round trip. And the I've been on it probably 40 times-ish, decent amount. Um, and one time I saw someone rush to the bathroom, and that's it. Yeah. That's it. And that's the only time I felt uncomfortable to that. Have I felt uncomfortable to COVID? A few times. Right. Um, but not not like emetophobia things. Since I think for for, for me, the, the train situation is I'm out of control on a train. Like I can't just stop a train. That's what's like kind of crazy for me is like, if because I think that's what all of us think about with emetophobia. It's like, well, what if I get sick and I want to get off? Then what? And it's like, that's what's so scary about planes and boats and trains and things because they're hard to just stop and get off. You have no control. So I think that's really what's what's so scary. It is. And, you know, it's like, I mean, there's not, there's more places to escape to. There's bathrooms on each side and they both have two stalls. So like, that's pretty decent. I always felt more safe than that because I could take, you know, like, Sorry, handicapped people, but I would take the, the handicapped room because it's way bigger. So I could like lay down and be totally fine if I was getting yeah. worried. Um, and, you know, they are able to stop the train if you really want to get off at a city. Like it's not this like not something that they wouldn't do. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like trains. <laughs> it's cheap. It's affordable. While you cannot stop it when I'm in a train, I feel way more in control than any other vehicle besides a car. Sure. Like that's like the most, in my opinion, like reliable that you could get off or you could go somewhere more secluded and stuff like that. Like that sure. is an option on the train. I, I think it would be kind of a good form of exposure therapy for people who are afraid is like, if you're afraid to travel, I mean, maybe a train's probably the first stop because at least it's on land. It's in a car kind of type thing. So you can get off if you need to, you're not just like, you know, 30,000 feet in the air and you can't just you do anything. So at least it's, it's something to confine yourself, get a little bit of knowledge on what it's like to feel that way. And then move on from it you know what i mean so it's a good I idea i totally agree and i've thought about that at one point i was like oh yeah this could be really good exposure therapy but yeah. i distanced that in my mind i guess i don't know <laughs> um and another point i'll add is like it's it's pretty cheap exposure therapy <laughs> i mean I bet, yeah for like 20 bucks um yeah it's and there's a lot of stops so like if you like have a friend or have a way home like you can always go back and you know like it will cost like it won't cost you anything to more to get off but you're not going as far but like it's definitely more safe in my opinion yeah or you can get insurance which is like 10 bucks i think on amtrak so if you spent like 30 dollars on a trip and you wanted to get off or cancel it's like that would be a decent thing to do because then you'd get most of your money back so there you go yeah that's too bad yeah. um Let's talk about counseling for one second. I wanted to know what, what did your counselor do for you that helped so much with your emetophobia? Um, I've been through three counselors. Um, the first one definitely did not understand it. She was so sweet and she helped me a lot with many other things, um, mostly the self-harm 
in seeing things happen, like a sickness or people, you know, um, like I used to, my habit used to be just to like harm myself, like yeah. a lot, um, in different forms, different ways. Um, thankfully I don't harm myself in a way that leaves scars for me. That's always a thing. Cause I, in my job profession, I have to be <laughs> fairly clean cut. Um, sure. uh, but the first therapist that I had, um, she tried to, which I think was a very interesting approach and could work for some people that it's just a human reaction. It's like, sometimes you think of it as something more than it is. Um, and it's just the body getting rid of things that does not need to be there or it's not meant to be there. So it's helping you flush things out. So that didn't really help for me at all, <laughs> right. but I can see it helping for some other people. Cause it's definitely, especially if you are sick, it's, better to know like this needs to happen for me to get better and mm -hmm. to like be put out of this misery of purgatory um so yeah that was that was a decent didn't really work for me but it was better when I got sick because when I used to get sick I always used to um get sick yeah. <laughs> um do you use like the words or do you censor them honestly I've been trying to use them more uh just more often because i think it's kind of a form of exposure therapy as well for people because it's it's one of those things where i think that if we hear it every once in a while and kind of associate it as more of a positive thing than a negative thing in our heads then it's a little bit better for us in the long run because at the end of the day like we shouldn't be afraid of these words they're just words at the end of the day like you really got to sit down and tell yourself like it's just a word i'm not going to be afraid of this it's going to be okay and it's just you know little form of exposure therapy in my opinion so absolutely you i agree with that um Another word that I used when I was really bad into my emetophobia was grossness, which was a um, word that came from my friend who had other phobias. And she's like, yeah, yeah, grossness. That like that could be a thing. I was like, oh, yeah. And that like helps me a lot. So someone who needs that transitional word, grossness really worked for me. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, I used to throw up every single time I got sick because I was so worried about it. Like I just forced myself into getting sick. Basically, I forced myself into throwing up and that sucked. But for me, thankfully, I don't get that triggered by throwing up myself. Yeah, it's not that bad for me at all. Usually the hype up is way worse and then I do it and then I'm like, OK, well, that's done. <laughs> so now I don't have to worry about that anymore. So um, sure yeah next therapist did absolutely nothing <laughs> i told her that and i brought it up sometimes and she just didn't say anything about it um she's a decent therapist but like not for me yeah. um my therapist now is great um we don't talk about emetophobia all that much that's most therapists because they don't really know how to handle that particular thing yeah it's definitely a weirder phobia um even though it's like not uncommon it's pretty um, common yeah it's crazy it's pretty freaking common <laughs> like i could like somehow out of the blue i could find a partner who also kind of had it like that's insane to me out of like the tons of people and i think yeah. that's when i realized oh it's really not that uncommon yeah um, yeah so we talk about more why i feel that way and deconstruct it 
and try to form it together in a way that I can think about it and not destroy myself mentally. So like, I'll just like, okay, so I saw this on TV and let me deconstruct what I saw and what bothered me the most. And let's think about why I was so bothered by that particular scene, like the context and then so and so on. So it was like, it's, it's, I think it's a really good tactic for me. Um, Cause I don't know that for me, the more I think about it in that way, the less worse it gets. Sure. Like it's still bad, but it's not, it's not eating me away. Um, and you know, it's, I haven't seen all that much recently. Besides my cats, I could not handle more of that and my cats. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's my therapists have been good, but I think for getting therapists, maybe a metaphobia specialist might not be the best, honestly, because they might treat you in a way that you don't want to be treated. So in my opinion, if you're looking for one therapist, come with that first and ask how they would want to treat you or work with that. So you know that it would fit for you. Yeah. Yeah. I had a therapist for a little while myself and because uh, I wanted to find somebody who was into the emetophobia side of things. And the one I got was, she didn't specialize in it, but she definitely knew a lot about it. Was very well-versed in the metaphobia. So um, she kind of just asked me all the right questions. You know, it was like, I, I just needed somebody to bounce ideas off of and kind of like bring me down from the roof a little bit and say like, Hey man, you're going to be fine. Like, we just need to talk about this and make it a little more, a bit more normal. We talked about some exposure therapy. I ended up doing it on my own with YouTube. I, there's a couple of videos you can watch that are like an exposure, exposure therapy kind of like level system. So that's what I did. And it really helped me a lot with becoming a lot more comfortable with my metaphobia. So definitely awesome i can never do exposure therapy so really good for you <laughs> it's good i mean it it's one of those things you just have to start off really so like being around your cats getting sick that that was a form of exposure therapy for you right there it's just those types of things and it's all about the reassurance in your head afterwards to say like hey i lived through it i'm okay the cats are okay everything's fine i gotta clean up some messes now but other than that like the world goes on and everything's fine and i think that's what after a while making your mind remember that and that that's a positive thing is what really helps so yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree with that. That's a really good outlook. Yeah, yeah. What um, coping skills have you picked up with uh, having a metaphobia over the years? Like, how do you cope with it? Mm-hmm. I haven't really thought of that. It's just become mm-hmm. less for me. Um, yeah. I think a lot of it was because I am on depression and anxiety meds. And for me, that really built onto it. Um, because then I'd just get depressed and suicidal and have a bunch of anxiety about it. But my anxiety has mellowed down a little bit. So it's been like, depending on the thing, um, I haven't run into it all that much, but the more recent ones, I'm totally fine with it. It will run through my head. I might not get the best sleep that night. That's for me. I won't be able to get like a night of sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, the day that that happens but maybe it will run through the next day and then i'll slowly drift away from it and i'll remind myself to drift away from it Um, like you're thinking this and that's okay but we can do more constructive things (laughs) we can do better things now and distracting myself um i think most people have the show that keeps like a comfort show 
um mine was friends because there's I like friends yeah there's yeah. no throw up there's no vomiting in it um there's moments that almost are but they don't have anything so like <laughs> it's a really nice show just to put on and you know it's safe um <laughs> unlike game of thrones or something like that <laughs> yeah or the office even the office has a very brutal scene with pam when she's pregnant and I'm, like i didn't realize it was going to happen the first time i watched the office and i was like whoa like i was not expecting that to happen she yeah, gets like sick in a garbage can and it's like right in front of everything just like oh it was brutal but yeah crazy stuff yeah, i've read some stuff about the office i'm in a uh, a metaphobia group on facebook yeah. for warnings about movies and tv shows if anyone does mm -hmm. not know that join it it's great um and like so many office things and so many walking dead things like that the zombie apocalypse like i don't blame anyone for that <laughs> but like i'm like mm unless it has timestamps, i usually for me when watching stuff i will skip the episode completely because mm -hmm. i've learned that you don't miss much in one episode like people will tell you through context what it is in the next episode and like it's not that hard to just skip over and i hate like being like, okay, it's just this scene and I don't know where it is in the episode. So I'm so anxious up until it's that. I'm like, yeah. oh, we'll like not like press it in time or something. Like, ooh. <laughs> um, you should try it once or twice. Just one time, just, just try. Just like push yourself to that limit and say, this time I'm just gonna like at least let it play through. And if I need to close my eyes, I can, but just, just really try, like do that little bit of exposure therapy. It really does help. I'm serious. Like I'm it's sure. a big part of it. It's huge. Yeah. I might do that with the next walking dead episode. I get through me and my partner have been binging it and skipping through those scenes. And <laughs> yeah. We accidentally saw one. He's like, Oh my God, no, don't look. And he put his eye like hands over my eyes and everything. Yeah. Um, sweetie he understands it very well and i never thought that i could get a partner that did that which is sure. like that's another thing about emetophobia don't really think that someone will understand it much like it's really tough yeah yeah and like you don't want to tell your friends because you don't know how they'll react and it's like some people are just dicks about it mm -hmm. like start so gagging in front of you and stuff and like laughing yeah. and you're like wow that's not what i wanted from this conversation but <laughs> all right yeah yeah like i remember one friend just in, like just constantly sent me TikToks like, oh, this one's safe, and then it wasn't. And mm. it was like, what? You're the worst. Yeah. And then I, <laughs> I just blocked them. I was like, oh, okay. yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Funny. So, um, I wanted to talk to you about: is there anything positive that you've seen come out of your emetophobia overall? Um, I kind of said this before, but my eating disorders would be a lot worse if I did not have emetophobia. And that's my main thing. Like, that's what I honestly think I might not be alive if I did not have emetophobia. Because um, yeah. I'm a person who does not stop things. <laughs> and I still have eating disorders. I, I just it I just take away that's not as extremely harmful as making yourself throw up which you know cause tooth decay messes up your throat forever it's just yeah. like things will just taste bad i remember watching videos of that to remind myself i should not do this no mm. matter what i should not do this and yeah if i didn't have a metaphobia i would be doing that all the time where do you so, think the eating orders came from like overall 
my family. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, um, it was my childhood and I told my parents this, but my dad had, um, body image issues and I was a very big child <laughs> and I was close to having diabetes. I was pre pre-diabetic is what they said. Yeah. Um, and they took me before then they took me to like this kid's weight loss program. And they're like, Oh, you can only eat like yogurt and mm-hmm. rice and you should like measure it in a cup. And I'm like, what the fuck? stupid. Um, and like that dehumanized me and I hated it and it was expensive and we didn't have that much money, but like, then my dad wanted to be a um, fitness specialist. He's an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. Ah, uh, <laughs> um, and he would just remind us like, oh, we shouldn't eat that much. Or, oh, this is actually not healthy. Or, oh, you shouldn't eat that much. Like, like oh, why are you getting another plate full? Like while yeah. we're eating. And so um, I got All the years of that, yeah. from that. Um, I just like middle of the night, super depressed, like, not middle of the night, like 5 a.m. I just go and just stuff my face and then feel bad about it and not eat the rest of the day. And, Mm. um, oh yeah. And it only got worse and it really messed with me. Like, oh, like he can't even go to our family, uh, pool swimming around Christmas because he does not like his body. Why should I go type thing? Um, Yeah, so that definitely came from that and the fact that all my friends were really skinny and I was the only fat kid and one of the worst ones was I was hanging out with my friends at a conference and another conference was about to happen and their conference was models and I was like, oh, I could be one of them and then they just started laughing. Wow. Yeah, they were all shitty people. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And one of them said I was the most judgy person they knew, and they were the people that judged the hardest. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> people are toxic. I um I've been learning a lot more about diet lately myself because I, I I kind of had this new like self growth situation where I'm trying to learn how to. I, I changed over to being a, a vegan, and I do three smoothies a day of just fruits and vegetables. Start drinking tea. No more caffeine. No more sugar. No more sweets. No nothing like that at all. And um, since I've been doing that, I've actually been eating more than I've ever eaten in my whole life. And I've been gaining a little bit of weight, but it's good for me. Cause I've been the kind of guy who's been skinny my whole life with emetophobia. I didn't eat very much myself. And I had some like, you know, low key eating disorders. They weren't to the point where, I, I mean, I guess they were affecting my body and my health, but, um, in all reality, I didn't realize that just eating fruits and vegetables is what I needed to be doing to keep myself healthy. And I learned a lot. I, I listened to a lot of podcasts one being uh, a plant-based riot is one that I like to, to tell people about. Yeah. It's um, one about uh, how the government is basically trying to make all of us into um, bigger, unhealthier people so that we continuously go to the hospital and get sick. And then they make money off of us as a health industry. And so that's what I've learned a lot about. Into eating bacon. That was their whole thing. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sell. We need to make it sell. And then they just force bacon on us. We're like, yeah. <laughs> or the got, the got milk slogan. You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I just, uh, I've been learning a lot more about diet lately and it's really been helping me out with my emetophobia because mentally it really helps as long as your stomach and your mind and your body is all in tune together. It seems like everything works a lot better. So Absolutely. it's been awesome. And knowing what or is best for your body is really good. Like some people can't do vegan. Some people can do pescatarian or something mm-hmm. like 
I remember my parents got this like thing from a doctor, I don't know, about what diets they need most. And my mom needed 75% of protein. Yeah. Insane of her entire diet. That's how much protein she needed. My dad needed more fat in his diet and I needed more vegetables in my diet. And it was just so strange to think about that. And it's also like what you eat. Like I make most of the bread we eat and that's Mm -hmm. so much healthier because there's no processed things in it. Processed is the enemy there for sure. It is, it is. And while it's really good and easy um, and you know, while you're depressed, like that's just things that you eat or you don't have enough money, totally fine. But <clears throat> I try to make as many things as possible. So I've been making yeah. less bread, but the bread, if I make sweets, like I generally put half the sugar in it, um, as little as it can without becoming a huge blob mess. Sure. <laughs> that's the actual thing. Um, like there are ways to enjoy the things you have while just slightly adjusting them. And Mm. I went paleo, which has now come out. It's not very good for you. (laughs) But when I was uh, pre-pre-diabetic, I went uh, paleo. And that was pretty good for me. Like learning about almond flour. Great. Almond Mm. flours. And like alternative butters and coconut oil. And like all the things I did not like realize I could bake with or make things with like stevia and honey and all those types of things. And honey is so good for you. It can help with everything. Like got some in my tea right now. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. It's so good for people. And that's what, like, I just eat a spoonful of honey every day at this point because it feels so good for me. I like right before performance, um, I had won this like competition thing and I was like about to perform and I had a sore throat that day and I drank 25 cups of tea <laughs> so much. and I put like a tablespoon of honey in each one. And by the time I was performing, I had a totally fine throat. It felt better actually. And then yeah. the rest of the time I was like, oh, I actually had a really bad cold. So it literally helped that much. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Honey is huge. And it helps me with my allergies too. If I continue eating a lot more honey lately, it's been really helping me with my, I have dust allergies. So I just, anything dusty just kills me. So it's been brutal. Yeah. So, um, uh, I, I saw on your Instagram that you are a potter. So you make pottery. Yes. Let's talk about that a little bit. I've never met a potter before. So what is it like to make pottery? Um, for me, it's very calming. Um, it actually, that's a very good segue into, I think it helps with letting go a lot Mm -hmm. of emotions and a lot of things. Cause when you create pots, sometimes they just don't work. Sometimes you poke a hole through them or they're too dry or you're working with them too wet, or you just don't like something, one thing about it and you just toss it and it's created into new clay. And it's kind of like a rebirth type thing. And God, I learned so much about letting go. Like I could not let go before. Like any little imperfection that did not make me okay or happy, I just threw it away. So like, it's beautiful, takes a long time. (laughs) Um, I was a production potter basically. Um, I didn't do it for anyone, but I like created like 20 pots in an hour 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> did oh, a shit. lot. I know. <laughs> I was like, I took a picture. I'm like, holy shit, I did that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's the only thing that I say is kind of gross, and I looked at it is like sometimes the slip, which is clay and water, just kind of feels gross and like. I don't know. It's not to do with emetophobia, but like if people are sensitive to just a weird, weird thing, it's like, it's like soft mud. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's just a really weird feeling, but no, it really made me very happy and I did it for four years and then the pandemic happened Yeah. and I haven't been able to do pottery since, which is super sad. Um, but it's in my heart always and um i'm glad that i got to do it a decent amount before then i actually got a very big scholarship to a college a big college for one of my potteries i would have gotten a full ride and i said no because i wanted to do singing so oh my god (laughs) let's uh let's talk about singing for a second is it you you get up in front of crowds and sing Mm -hmm. yeah how is that with the anxiety and metaphobia how do you get over that Oh man, um, I have done a decent amount of talks. I've done probably 15, 20 talks over my life. I started when I was fairly young. I've done panels and I, uh, at our conference, this conference that we used to go to and semi ran, um, there would be like a talent show. And like, since I was like nine I've been singing in it um and the first time was horrifying and I couldn't hear anything and I was singing Justin Bieber (laughs) and it was just like not the best time but um since I got singing lessons which was six years ago (laughs) um I um no I was doing pottery for six years too anyway uh (laughs) um I used to like feel really anxious about it. And, you know, sometimes you overwork your stomach and you get to feel like a stomach cramp or something like that. And it really sucks. Um, But that's the only thing that really would ever bother me. I would not be that bothered by getting up on stage. I'd be anxious. I might feel something in my chest, my heart beating really fast. Maybe I'm like, oh, gross. Um, But I don't know. For me, my life goal is to make other people happy. Um, And I've found a lot of outlets to do that. I started with writing, then I went into pottery, and then I did a bunch of other stuff. And along the way, I picked up so many things because I was homeschooled. Um, And I've seen that my singing affects people the most. And um, it makes me so happy. Like after that performance, like 20 people came up to me and said they were bawling their eyes out. And it was so beautiful. And they were like, oh, she's going to sing this song? She's like 17. Should she really be singing this song about this mother almost killing her child? And I sing it like my teacher's husband said, I sing it better than the original. And I was like, wow. yeah, my um, absolute idol, uh, Audra McDonald. If you haven't heard her, she's great. Um, I'll check it out, yeah. So good beautiful voice they're the same birthday it's like great we have very similar voices um and like the practice before my audition for that uh contest literally said that was one of the best like that's the best version i've heard of that song you did it better than audra and i'm like the best compliment i've ever gotten in my life (laughs) excited 
yeah. what do you tell yourself right before you get up on stage is there any kind of like mantra you tell yourself before you end or don't suck <laughs> what i usually say to myself don't suck uh if you fail then you're gonna die afterwards i'm not very positive <laughs> um but you know what somehow that affects me better it's like okay i'm not gonna fail i'm yeah. literally not gonna fail um and I say that to myself, I'm probably not going to fail. And it's, you know, afterwards, if I do fail a bit, it's very hard. But like, in the end, if there's a recording of it, I'll listen it to it like a year later, and I'll be like, actually, that wasn't that bad. So I do have to take time to listen in between or else I will get nauseous and want to die. <laughs> like, <laughs> Singers generally hate their own voices because it sounds so different than what it sounds in their heads. And then they're more hypocritical. And I've known a decent amount of people that were like, I listened to mine and then I got sick. I listened, I was performing and I was like, okay, I'm going to get sick right after this because it took so much energy to, and like singing comes from the stomach area up into and like out. And it like, when you're a singer, at least I'm, opera and jazz and like musical theater um so you want to aim for your voice to feel like it comes out of here so that kind of gives you a headache yeah (laughs) i can imagine like a body reaction that's not the best but i find it very amazing because i know that i'm doing good um but you know someone if someone wants to go into singing it's really it's gonna be somewhat hard on your body when you first start out there might be a few exercises like vocal exercises that might make you feel a little weird or maybe there's a weird sound that makes you like reminds you of throwing up or something um but it was very easy for me to get through because i just loved singing that much so that's good no that's awesome no i i uh i've never met a singer before i guess it's it's hard to meet people who sing nowadays it's crazy singer what next i think you're the you're the first singer to be on the podcast so that's exciting awesome yeah i um I can see if I can give any more tips. I like, it also depends on what you sing. I personally do not (laughs) recommend belting. Um, So the difference between belting and mixed voice is belting is just pure. It comes from your chest and it just goes out. And like, that's why Adina Menzel had to like take a leave from uh, Wicked and all that type of stuff because it's all belting and that's just not great for you at all. And then mixed voice comes from the stomach up and it's this more flowery voice that you can do more with and it does not hurt you at all. And like, this is the example that I thought was the most interesting was, um, have you heard of the musical Rent at all? I have not, no. Highly recommend it. It's terrible characters and not a very good story, but it's really good. (laughs) Not selling it well, but it's very, very good. Um, Every single one of the original actors and actresses, singers had to take a leave of absence or like a break because they're were so hurting because most of them were doing belting while the yeah. one professionally trained opera guy was saying only in mixed voice basically or knew what he was doing did not have to take a single break wow yeah so like if you're like a singer get try and get trained a little bit at least so you can keep your vocal health up like there's only so much you can get from the internet and yeah. like well free internet stuff is great highly recommend it but like 
for your voice, it needs to be personalized. Sure. Because I thought now, I was a and I'm actually a soprano. That's like the furthest you can be. <laughs> what's What's the difference between the uh, different ones? Sorry, I don't know. The, the You said it was balto and soprano? Alto. Um, alto, so alto, alto is generally what we consider the lowest of uh, a female voice. Sometimes they can go into tenor. Um, I think there's baritone. Something. There's a lot, but like generally for women, it's alto, mezzo soprano, and soprano. And um, so the alto will be like a dark voice, like a dark deep voice, and like generally like there's octaves so like a b c d e f g whatever like it's not in that order but like just from it's better to think of it that way for non-musicians like think about that and then it goes like to f and then you restart and then that's another octave so like generally people have one to two octaves it's very rare to have four octaves like freddie mercury is the like most notable one i think he might have had five octaves that's a ton (laughs) that's a lot i have like three and a half and i consider myself very proud for that um so alto there's the deeper voice like like if you go to the keyboard and you go to one of the lower notes that's what it is a mezzo soprano is a mix of both alto and soprano so it's um like you can go pretty deep and you can go fairly high, but you can't go like either of those ways generally. Sometimes mm-hmm. people can, but that's like that's like the solid middle. And then a soprano is really high voice. Um, Kristen Chenoweth is a soprano and she is a very good example of what she can do. She can sing so, so wow, high. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, uh, I could never, I'm scared of it. Um, but yeah, it's like basically just steps. And then there's like baritone and bass and something else for men. I don't, <laughs> I yeah. don't even know it because I'm not a man. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of uh, details into singing that are, I like to focus on and makes me a lot less nervous about singing too, um, mm-hmm. because it's technical and music theory is just math and reading music notes, just math. I hate math. Yeah. What is the better math? <laughs> so I'm okay with it. I have a little bit of experience. I, I made like some some rap beats and stuff on uh, Fruity Loops. So I'm, I'm experienced in like, you know, the all of the uh, A, B, C, D, E, F, G types situation and all my octaves and everything. And then my uh, old boss, my painting boss was a, um, uh, I don't know if he was a baritone or exactly what he was, but he was in an acapella group and they had like a quartet they would sing in. And I went to one of his shows. It was pretty cool, actually. So I love that. Yeah, I'm, choirs can be really great. That's definitely a thing that people... They always try to get me to get into it. They're like, you should come. We need some younger guys because everybody's like 80 years old. Like everybody. They're like, there's nobody really that likes to sing. That. Yeah, like, I don't know, man. I, I'm not much of a singer. But, yeah, um, it's but, hard for but, people who aren't religious or are, it's a different group of people to get into choirs. Yeah, but. for sure. Um, now, we're hitting up to close to an hour on this one. Is there anything else you want to say before we head out to any, any of the listeners who have metaphobia, any final remarks? To, I was thinking about this and it's a little graphic, but it, it'll be okay. I think um, with people who have vaginas, sometimes during intimacy, it hurts a lot and you feel like you're going to throw up. It's because something is hitting the cervix a bunch of times in a row. 
cervix is like what the fuck and then it's like ah i'm gonna cramp and i i like feel like i'm dying and that is a totally normal response and it's totally fine you're not gonna throw up it's not gonna be anything horrible it's just a pain that will probably last like an hour or two yeah there you go <laughs> there you go never been said on the podcast before it's a good use good, good a bit of advice for sure love it i was astonished when i found that out i'm like what yeah. what my boyfriend felt so bad <laughs> i'm sorry I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and this so, is, yeah. that's what I, the thing is for me too is like i'm a man and my my following is primarily female so it's hard for me as a man to give advice to females about things sometimes so it's nice to have some on the podcast for sure yeah of course if you ever need someone um for you know uh sexual health or hygiene or stuff like that i'm not a specialist but I was very interested in a lot of those things all the time. <laughs> sure. So I, I thought I'd be a sex therapist at one point and have my own coffee shop and something. Um, yeah, there you go. The dream. So if you ever need that in metaphobia stuff, I'm here. <laughs> Where can people reach out to you and find you? Um, uh, my Instagram is Lily's Forte, L-I-L-L-I-E-F-O-R-T-E. Um, I don't really have an active Twitter. I do have an email. It's um forto.lily, um F-O-R-T-E-A-U dot L-I-L-L-I-E at gmail.com. Um, I do have Facebook, you know, my name. Um I'm out and about. You can probably just look up my name and find me on some places. I know my talks are online. Um and I'm trying to think what else don't think there's anything else you can find me on LinkedIn I guess I haven't been posting on LinkedIn but you know I'm there, there you <laughs> yeah if you, if you think of anything else just just send it over my way I'll put it in the show notes down below and I'll link everything that I can to you so that people can find you and everything absolutely so. I should just give oh. it my content like Animal Crossing that would be <laughs> that's what's up all right well it's been really nice talking to you thank you so much for coming on the show thank you yeah, it was nice meeting you. I'll, uh, I'll have to have a part two sometime. We'll have to have you back on. Awesome. I'd love to be back. Awesome. Well, it was nice meeting you. I'll see you again. You do. Bye. Bye. Hell yeah. That was an awesome episode. Really, really glad to have her on the episode. Um, her Instagram is Lily's Forte. So L-I-L-L-I-E-S-F-O-R-T-E. Um, that's where you can find her on Instagram. She also has an Etsy shop on that same Instagram at the bottom. If you click her link, you can go and check out her products. Awesome, awesome lady to have on the podcast and uh, really glad to have her. You can find me over at ametaphobias.com. You can find me on Instagram at the Emetophobia Podcast. Just created a TikTok and it's it's entitled Emetophobia Guy. So if you want to go watch some TikToks, that's what you can uh, find me on. Um, I also have an email at theemetophobiapodcast at gmail.com if anybody wants to reach out, send in an article, or just get in touch. And I really would appreciate it if you guys get some value from this, this podcast to go over and give me a rate and a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Thank you guys so much for the support and we'll see you on the next episode. Peace.